Shavu Atov, Beruchim Abayim, to another week of KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah, and this is Ezra Beck. Today is Lamed Sivan, Aleph to Rosh Chodesh, the first day of Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. And today's Shia by HaRab Benjamin Tavori in the weekly mitzvah for Parshat Chukat. I remind you again that the weekly mitzvah of Tavori is following the schedule of Eretz Yisrael, and therefore he's in Pashat Chukat, although in Chutz Laaretz, the Kriyat HaTavah is to Pashat Korach. After the Shir, I'll be back with the Midrash Yomi, the daily Midrash, which will be for Pashat Korach. And now, Harav Tavori. In Parashat Chukat, the Torah tells the story of the Nechashim, those poisonous snakes that poisoned many Jewish people, Vayamot Amrav Misrael. Many people died. The people then came to Moshe, Perek Chaf Alif Pasuk Zayim, Vayavoha Amma Moshe, Vayamul Chatanu. The people came to Moshe and admitted that they had sinned. Ki Dibarnu Vashem Bavach. We had spoken against God and against you too. Hitpalel Hashem. Please daven to Kadosh Baruch Hu. That he should remove the serpent from us. And Moshe then gets up to Davin. It is interesting to note that Moshe did not Davin until Bnei Yisrael asked him to. Why did he wait for them to ask him? We know from other places in Chumash that davening for someone is the sign of a true tzaddik. The people of Sdom, who seem to be a city of total evil, total rishut, was destined to be destroyed, and immediately Avraham turns to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and davens. On the other hand, Noach, was told that the Mabu will be coming, and he did not daven. It's traditionally explained that Noach was actually blamed for this. The Pasuk in Yeshayahu says, Ki Noach Zotli. The Mabu is called the water of Noach. Chazal explained that it's sort of blamed on him, Nikraim the flood itself was named the Mabul of Noach, because he did not daven. Why did he really not daven? What was the reason that Noach didn't daven? Avram did daven, and we see here that Moshe does not daven until Bnei Yisrael ask him to daven. What's the reason for it? The Gemara in Brachos, Daf Yud Beis Amud Beis, says a very strong comment, a very meaningful comment is made on the Gemara regarding someone who doesn't daven at all. And, but the Gemara has an interesting phrase. The Gemara says, Kol she'efshalo, 
The word efsher means anybody it's possible. Anyone who can ask for mercy for his friend, but he does not do so, he himself is a sinner. The Gemara quotes the Pasuk in Shmuel that God forbid that I should do a sin of refraining from prayer, from tefillah. Amar Rava, im tamid chacham, hu tzarich sheyechle atzmo alav. Not only should a person daven, but he should be filled with such empathy. He should, he himself, feel the pain become ill in order to daven as part of his expression of his feelings for the other person. This, of course, makes it even stronger. Why is this not done in the case of Noach, in the case of Moshe, whereas we see by Abraham it was done. The Rambam does not quote this halacha exactly. The Gemara in Brachos that says anyone who doesn't daven for his friend is actually a sinner, that phraseology will not be found in the Rambam. Later we'll see what the Rambam does say in a slightly different context. But perhaps this is not a normative halacha. It's only a sign of extreme piety. And the Gemara means it as more as a musar halacha, as a question of ethics, rather than as normative halacha. This would not explain yet why Moshe did not do it. Even if we would assume that it's not required by halacha, but it's certainly in the character of a person of the stature of Moshe Rabbeinu or even the stature of Noah in his generation, to accept the midot, the characteristics, which the Gemara says are proper, even if it's not actually required. There may be two possibilities of explaining why Moshe did not have it. One, perhaps you should not daven for a person who has sinned, for a sinner, but rather you should try to cause that person to beg forgiveness, to atone, to become a better person. This might explain that Moshe, who personally and the kavod of God was also involved, both Moshe as a person, as the leader of Israel, because they, they use the phrase, we've sinned both against God and against you. So Moshe and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to say, were both affronted by 
the behavior of Bnei Israel, perhaps Moshe felt it wasn't proper to daven for them until they did tshuva. And as a matter of fact, this could be the explanation of what happened. They came and said to Moshe, Chatanu ki They first admitted their sin. That admission of sin is itself an expression, perhaps, of tshuva, of repentance. And therefore, at this point, it becomes appropriate for Moshe to daven. This might explain why Noach didn't daven. Because he knew that the people were Rishayim. He knew the people were evil. And in a sense, it may be that he encouraged them to do tshuva by the fact that he was involved in building the ark. It obviously took a long time to prepare the ark. People kept coming over to him, according to the Madrash, and saying, what are you doing? Why are you building this magnificent boat? And he's, his answer was, because because of the sins of mankind, God has told me that he's going to bring a marble to destroy the earth. And apparently, this is a way of encouraging people to realize what has been happening and how they can rectify the situation. They should do tshuva. Since they didn't, it seems that Noach didn't daven for them. Avram, on the other hand, did daven for the people of Zdom, even though they were Rishayim, but it's noteworthy that he stopped at the number of ten. He asked, perhaps there are fifty tzaddikim, forty-five, forty, thirty, twenty, ten, but below ten he himself did not ask. Another answer that might be suggested why the Moshe and Noach did not daven is perhaps one should not daven when you know that your tefillah is not accepted. When you know fully well that this prayer will not be accepted by God until the people repent and the situation with Moshe was such that he understood that only tshuva could avert the decree of God and therefore he waited for the people to do tshuva. And perhaps that's true of Noach too. The difference between the two interpretations that I suggested is that according to the first explanation, a person should not daven for Rishayim. It would seem there that davening for Rishayim itself might be problematic. The second would not be that the prayer itself is problematic, but rather it seems useless. Tefillah will not be heard unless a person knows or at least has some feeling that this tefillah will be accepted, then it could daven. Would there be something wrong in davening when your tefillah is not accepted? We have to remember that no matter what explanation I give for the cause that Moshe did not daven until Bnei Israel asked him, nevertheless, we have to point out that Noach 
who may have had the same reasons, or whatever reason it might be, for refraining from davening, was castigated by Chazal, as I said, Ki may Noach Zotli, the Pasuk says, and Chazal explained that Noach is somehow blamed for the Mabul because he didn't daven. Why should he daven? Perhaps the people are Rishayim. Perhaps he tried to encourage them to do tshuva. Perhaps he knew that the tefillah would not be accepted. So why should he be blamed for it? If we justify the reason for his refraining from prayer, then it's difficult to understand why Chazal somehow blamed him for not praying. Perhaps the answer is that sometimes, according to the second explanation I I gave, prayer may not be heard, and maybe I know it won't be heard. But a person should daven nevertheless. When something hurts you badly, a person screams, give out. Ouch, it hurts. What's the benefit of saying that? What's the benefit of complaining about it, of krechzing, of feeling some feeling that is expressed verbally as an expression of pain? This is a natural reflex of people when they react to pain. Something hurts, you verbalize it. You scream, oi. You say, gewalt. If something hurts, then a person should have it. Noach may have understood that it won't benefit anyone from his davening. Neither does complaining, neither does screaming. But if you really feel the pain, then there has to be some expression of that pain. Noach seems to have ignored that totally. On one hand, he can't be blamed totally for not davening if we can justify his reason for not davening. But the fact that he didn't daven apparently shows a certain lack of empathy and feeling for the travail and pain of the rest of civilization as he knew it. Avram, on the other hand, davened immediately and he expressed his true feelings. Once he reached the number 10 and he knew that the tefillot will not be accepted any longer, below 10, he knew there was no chance of his tefillot being accepted. So therefore, the obligation or perhaps the privilege of prayer, of tefillah, is no longer there. But the criticism of Noach was that he didn't express any crit- any empathy. Avram did. Avram did daven. And we felt, we understood Avram's feelings very strongly when he prayed to God. And in, in fact, he, he was almost afraid of overdoing it. He hoped that HaKadosh Baruch would not be upset with him for asking again and again and again. A person who asked again and again and again certainly expressed his feelings, certainly expressed his sympathy, his empathy. There comes a time when he knows this filah will not be accepted. Now is the time to 
be quiet. But to be quiet from the beginning to the end may reflect a lack of empathy, a lack of feeling for other people. So we have seen that the halacha quoted in the Gemara, although not quoted in the Rambam, that a person should daven, and not only daven, but we pointed out that the Gemara said it in a negative phrase. The Gemara said, someone someone who theoretically is possible to daven for his friend, and he does not do it, so the Gemara very strongly criticized him. And the Gemara said, He's called a sinner. What does the word of the phrase someone who can? Is anyone not capable of prayer? Everyone in the world can open his mouth in prayer to God. Is the text of many Sidurim. Kodesh Baruch Hu answers prayers, listens to prayers, hears prayers. Shomea. Why can the Gemara say, So one very simple explanation might be that it means a person who is aware of the problem involved. He is Efshalo. It seems, however, that the more poignant explanation would be, according to what I said, would be there are cases where it's you may daven with someone else. The case would be when you know that there's a possibility, at least, of the tefillah being accepted. But if you know in advance there's no way of this tefillah being accepted, then the statement of the Gemara would not apply. If the person is a Rasha, maybe that situation is considered He's not capable of prayer. He should not daven at that time. I mentioned before that this halacha was not quoted in the Rambam. But there is a halacha that's quoted in connection with davening for your friend. And this question exists in regards to Bikucholim. There's a mitzvah of visiting the sick. The Rambam in Hilchos Ovel, in a strange place, the Rambam mentions all the halachos which fall under the general category of the Ramam uses the laws of Avelus to include other laws. And the Ramam says, There's a mitzvah de Rabbanon, shel divrehem, mid Rabbanon, levaker cholim, lenachem avelim, lotzia meit, lachnis hakala, lelavot haorchim, letasek b'chot tzorche hakvura, etc., etc., the Ramam says there's a mitzvah saseh midrabanan, a rabbinic law, to visit the sick, the ill, to comfort mourners, to take care of funerals, to 
arrange weddings, to accompany guests, all the mitzvahs that we generally included under the laws of Ben Adam Lechavero, of being good to your friend, the Ramam says these are all a mitzvah de Rabbanan. But then the Ramam goes on, a very well-known phrase, even though these specific mitzvahs, the requirement of Bikr Cholim is the one that we, go, we are going to talk about, the requirement of Bikr Cholim specifically is a Chiyot Rabbanan, is a rabbinic ordinance. Nevertheless, the Ram says it falls under the general law of the Yahavta Lerecha Kamocha. The Torah told us the famous principle that was stated afterwards to be a klal gadol Torah, a very important principle, maybe one of the most or the most important principle in the Torah. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Is this just an idea? Is just just a concept? Or is it translated into action? So the Rambam says that the the biblical law of Atriyacha Kamacha will be a generic law which Midrabanan is explained to do A, B, C, D, and E. But the when you do the mitzvah, when you do Bikrucholim, you actually fulfill a biblical law according to the Rambam of Avtoyacha Kamacha. The Rambam argues with people who counted Bikrucholim as a separate mitzvah, Sasei Midaraisa. There are Rishonim who said that there's a separate mitzvah of Bikrucholim. The Rambam did not list the mitzvah of As a matter of fact, he enters into polemics with those that do. He said, it's not that I don't think it's a requirement to do Bikrucholim. It's a specific obligation that Rabbanan placed upon you, but it's in the general rule of the Torah of after Echa Now, the question exactly for our purpose today is, what is this mitzvah of Bikrucholim? How do I fulfill this mitzvah. So the Rambam says in that parak of Hilchos Avel, the Ram gives the laws of Bikrucholim. And he says, Bikrucholim mitzvah rakol afilu gadol mevakerat hakatan. Everyone is obligated in this mitzvah. Even gadol should visit a katan. This could mean in age, it could mean in stature. A person who is greater, whether it be in age or stature, must also fulfill the mitzvah for someone who's lower, perhaps younger. And a person should visit a number of times. Whoever does more, whoever visits Cholim more, is more meritous with the stipulation that he not become a burden on the person whom he is visiting. Someone who visits the sick is as if he took away part of the illness and made life easier for him. And then the Rambam says, And a person who does not visit the sick it's as if he spilt his blood. Very strong statement for a person who refrains from Bikr Cholim. 
Now, what is the mitzvah of Is it merely to walk into the choleh? To walk into the room? To say, I hope you're feeling better? To just to smile? Tell a joke? The Rambam only has one halacha in this regard. There's only one thing that the Rambam says is the requirement of the Mevake Chole. The Rambam says, Haniknas Chole, the one who comes in. So the Rambam has a negative exactly where to sit, how to sit, to be in a par with the Chole, to be in a position that he can speak to him. But that issue was also not my issue. The Rambam at the end of the Halacha, Perik Yudalit of Hechas Avel, Halacha Vav, says, Elamit Ateif, Viyoshev Lemata Mimiroshotav, Umevakesh Alav Rachamim, Viyotse. The Rambam says, the person should be mit Ateif. A person who visits the Chola should actually put on a Talit, according to the Rambam, mit Ateif. Ituf, we, we usually interpret Ituf to mean putting on a, a, a robe, putting on something on your head. You sit below the head of the person who is sick, he apparently is bedridden, lying there. And then the Ramam says, You have to ask for Rachamim, you ask for mercy for this choleh, and only then can you leave. The Rambam did not say anything else, any other type of service that should be done for the choleh, but he did say you should daven for him. In the Shulchan Aruch, they have a little bit of a more lengthy description of what a person should do when he's mevakeh the Shulchan Aruch adds that when you do the, ask for mercy, when you ask for him, so the Shulchan Aruch rules how to do it. Exactly what kind of words do you say? But the Ramah adds that a person who does not ask for mercy, he does not daven for the chole, did not fulfill the mitzvah. The chol she biker velo bikesh alav rachamim lo kiyem ha-mitzvah. This quote from the Ramah is based on the Ramban in Torah Adam. It seems, according to this, that the essence of the mitzvah of Bikucholim is to daven. Apparently, somewhat of an offshoot of that Gemara and Brachas that we quoted, Kol Alaf, is referring to the person who is a Mavakechola, a person who came to visit the sick, at which point he is obligated to daven for him, and that prayer itself seems to be the kiyum. This is the main fulfillment of the mitzvah of So much so, 
that the Ramban says, if a person does not do that, he did not really fulfill the mitzvah. Are there other parts of the mitzvah of Bikacholim? Well, although it's not stated categorically in the Shulchan Aruch, it obviously seems that the mitzvah of Bikacholim is not just to come in and visit or to daven. The purpose of Bikacholim is to check to see what the chola needs, what physical service you can do for the chola. Sometimes even to adjust his pillows, to adjust his blankets, to bring him something that he can't reach himself. All these are services that should be done for the chola. And obviously this seems to be part and parcel of the mitzvah bikacholim. Without filah, the Ramban said you did not fulfill anything. But it would be difficult to imagine that that's the only characteristic of Bikacholim to come to Davin. As a matter of fact, this question of what the essence of the mitzvah of Bikacholim is became more relevant in the modern society when communication became advanced and we'll discuss a long time ago invention, when they began the telephone service. And the question was raised, and there are many chuvas about this, if bikacholim can be done through the telephone. A person does not come in person to visit the chole, but he calls. He inquires as to his health. Does he really fulfill the mitzvah b'kecholim? Rabbi Moshe Feinstein discussed this in Igros Moshe, Yoredeya, Simen Reish Chav Gimel. And before we read, discuss what he actually says, let's remember, if the mitzvah is to daven for someone, if that's the ikar, that's the main aspect of the mitzvah, it does seem logical that a person could do this by the telephone. I ask how you're feeling, I hear you're sick, and I dive into HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That is the Iker. On the other hand, obviously I can't be of personal service. I can't offer uh, to help you with any physical thing if I'm not there. So, what did Rav Moshe say? So Rav Moshe says, in general, the Rav Moshe says, I have a problem with, the, with this Ramban that's quoted by the Ramah. It's difficult for me to say that the essence of Bikacholim is only davening, which is what the Ramah implied is the intention of the Ramban. Everything is important. And he says, doing personal service, which is mentioned in the Gemara. The Gemara says that the, that the Ramam quoted that if you do not visit him, it's as if you spill his blood, means because you could have helped, you could have done something. But he says there is a difference. Tefillah must be done by the person himself. The personal service that's required, I could send someone to do it. Let's say that an older person 
has, finds it difficult to go to the hospital to visit someone whom he knows who is ill in the hospital. But we learned in the Rambam, Afilu Gadol Eitzelakotten, even the older, and I said older might be in age, older might be in stature, has a mitzvah to visit the, the one who is lower than him, either in age or in stature. In this particular case, could a person ask someone else to go to the hospital to be, as it were, the shaliach, the agent for the person who finds it difficult to go? If the main purpose is personal service, perhaps you can make a shaliach. If the purpose is tefillah, then obviously you can't make a shaliach. It's true the shaliach could daven, but I still can daven. Every tefillah is important. Everybody who davens is important. You can't ask someone else to daven for you because then your tefillah is missing. So, Ramasha thinks that I think both of this, both of these aspects are a kiyom of bikacholim. The ikar of personal service, as well as davening for him. Now, Ramosha then discusses, could a person really do this by telephone? Personal service, obviously you cannot do. Tefillah, perhaps you can. But Ramosha has one additional point. Because the idea of visiting a person to daven for him is not just a theoretical concept that now I'm efshar levakesh rachimel, now that I know about it. It's more than that. The person that goes and actually sees the person who's ill has a closer feeling of empathy and understanding of the pain, travai, which is felt by the chole. This should cause you to daven in a more meaningful way. I mentioned before, the Gemara says in Brachos Tafyud Beis, if someone who can daven for someone else and doesn't, is a chote. This might apply to anyone. But then the Gemara says, A person who is of a higher stature should actually empathize to such an extent that he himself becomes ill. In a way, he takes away the illness from the patient Somehow he himself is afflicted, affected a little bit by the illness, but then he davens better. So it could be that even the mitzvah of davening for the chole can only be done at best, lechatchila, under the best circumstances, when you actually visit him. Is there a partial kiyum? Is there some sort of a kiyum? Uh, some sort of fulfillment of the mitzvah, bigger cholim, by a telephone, that I said is a discussion of achronim, different people have argued this point. It seems that nobody thinks that it's a total fulfillment of the mitzvah, bigger cholim, but perhaps there is a partial kiyum, because we'll just summarize what we've said so far. The mitzvah of davening for someone else is to be done when the prayer may be heard, perhaps not for Rishayim, perhaps we should try to get them to do tshuva before we daven for them, but nevertheless, it's extremely important to daven for someone, specifically to daven for Cholim, and this is part and parcel, perhaps the Iker of the Mitzvah Biker Cholim. You've been listening to Harabin Yemin Tavori in the weekly Mitzvah for Pashat Chukat.
And now, another couple of minutes, the daily Midrash. Daily Midrash from Parshat Korach. In the beginning of Parshat Korach, it says, Vayikach Korach ben Yitzah. Vayikach means, and he took. It doesn't say what he took. You never have the verb, Lakachat, to take without a direct object. But here you do. Vayikach Korach ben Yitzah ben Kahat ben Levi, v'datan v'aviram, v'on ben Pelet. And then it says, he went and he did things. So what does it mean that he took? The Midrash says, Medrash Rabba, Vayikach, Ein Vayikach, Ela Mishichat HaDvarim Rakim, Shenimshechu Kol Gedolei Yisrael Vasanhedraot Acharav. What does Vayikach mean? Vayikach means, I'm translating literally, taking with soft words, pulling, pulling with soft words, drawing is better, drawing with soft words, for all of the leaders of Israel, and the leaders of the Sanhedrin, the leaders of the different courts, were drawn after him. So Vayikach here means that he beguiled, or, or I think it means he seduced, to speak with soft words. He, he seduced the people to whom he spoke. So the next Pasuk says, Vayikahalu, that he gathered a big gathering. So Vayikach, Vayikahalu, he spoke softly and made a big gathering. He drew people with his words. That's the first pshat that the Midrash gives, and that's followed with a list of other places where it says Vayikach, even though all those places there is a direct object, but one person took another person. And Chazah apparently feel, what do you mean you took another person? Literally, Vayikach, you have to pick him up. So it means he drew them on with his words. Here there's no direct object because it says Vayikach, Vayikahalu. So this Midrash presents Korach as a seducer with his speech, a fancy talker, and therefore leading other people other people astray. The very next Midrash, uh, that Midrash was Odbet, Odgimel in the Midrash, has another Pshat for Vayikach. I'm reading the entire Midrash because it's a little bit long and interesting until we get to the actual Pshat in the word Vayikach. Vayikach Korach, Machtiv Lamanam and Hanyan, Vasulahen Tzitzit. The previous Pasha, in the end of Pashat Shlach, was Pashav Tzitzit. What's the connection between Tzitzit and the story of Korach? Kafatz Korach. It's an expression in Hebrew. It's misused. It means, it means that somebody who is a great tzaddik. But in fact, the phrase in Chazal means the opposite. Korach asked. You're supposed to put on a on your talit. You're supposed to put white strings and one blue string so suppose the talit itself was made out of blue wool, out of trelet wool. So Moshe said, you have to put on tzitzit. Korach said to him, talit shet kula trelet ain poteret atzma, arba chutin potrotota. If the entire talit is made of trelet, you still have to put on tzitzit, then how can four trelet strings fulfill the obligation? In other words, he was drawing a logical inference. If you have to put trelet on a white talit, then surely a blue talit, you don't have to put anything on it at all. I give another example. Suppose you have a house that's full of books. It's a library, a well-stocked personal library. It's full of sfarib, sifrei Torah, other sifrei Kedushah. Does it need a mezuzah? Moshe Rabbeinu gave him the obvious answer. 
He said, yes, it requires mezuzah. If an entire Sefer Torah in the house does not fulfill the obligation, so how does one little Pasha on the door fulfill the obligation? This was Korach's questions to Moshe Rabbeinu. What sorts of questions are these? The famous shir that the Rav once gave about Korach, where he said basically Korach was the first conservative Jew. The first rebellion against Torah authority. In our logic, if the, uh, we have an idea that having a mezuzah on your house is to make the house Torahic, to give the house a certain connection to, to the Torah. So if the house is full of Torah, it doesn't need a mezuzah. Similarly, whatever the reason is, having one string of trailet on your talit is, I mentioned this in last week's uh, Midrash, Perhaps the reason is Tchelet connects it to the sky, connects it to the Kisei HaKavod. It doesn't make difference what the reason is. But you figure out what the reason is. So if the whole beggar is made of Tchelet, what more do you need? It's logical. It makes sense. You look for the reason and then you fulfill the reason in your heart in one way or another. But the answer is Halacha doesn't work that way. Moshe Ben this is what God said. You do it this way and you don't finagle and try to draw the conclusions based on your understanding of the mitzvah. What was Korach's conclusion? Korach proves you were never commanded by God to do these things. They make no sense, in my opinion. They're not from God. You made them up. And this was Korach's argument against Moshe Rabbeinu, who was trying to prove through ridicule that Moshe Rabbeinu had made up the mitzvot that he was given. And that's the ultimate uh, rebellion against Moshe. He's not rebelling against Moshe's political power. He's rebelling against Moshe's position as the mouthpiece, as the as the wire, the telegraph wire between God and the Jewish people. Hadau dechtiv vayikach korach. So what does it mean vayikach korach? Ain vayikach elalashon peliga. Vayikach means he separated, or he 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 disputed. The word pliga can mean one of two things here. It means to be separate, two sides, two plagim, or plukta in Chazal means an argument. There are two sides, so there's an argument. So vayikach korach, korach disputed. That's why it doesn't need a direct object, because vayikach means you took yourself aside, you made yourself separate, and therefore you dispute. Shalibo likacho, his heart took him away, took him, took him aside. In other words, what Chazal saying, that Korach's basic problem was that he wasn't part of the collective. He was standing aside, being critical, perhaps critical in a good sense, but you're being critical. In order to be critical, you have to stand aside. When you stand aside, you're critical, you'll find things to be critical of. It's not hard to find things which, in one logic or another, appear to be strange or absurd or, to you, ununderstandable and not clear and not logical in the Torah, but only if you've stood aside. Vayikach Korach, he took himself aside, and then everything appeared and looked and looked differently. Kinyan Shenemar, Pasuk in Yehov, Mayikach Achalibcha, to where does your heart take you? Hu Shemoshe Omer Lahem Shenemar, Hama'at Kivdir Elokei Yisrael. And it causes a proof, the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu later on says to them, is it not enough? That God has separated you. He's talking to B'nai Levi, to the Levites. 
Is it not enough that God has separated you from the rest of Israel that you should serve before Him and you also want other other uh, uh, special things? You want to be Kohanim? What's the connection between the last Pasuk and the Midrash? Uh, so the Midrash said that, it's, that there's not enough written here. What, what you have to keep reading in the end, Moshe Rabbeinu uh, uh, says them on and on and on that they shouldn't rebel. And the Korach was rebel and Moshe says to them not to rebel. I think the Peshat is different. Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to them, Hama'at to be separated could be a good thing, but it depends how much. You are Levi'im. You are separated from Israel, but you're not separated out. Isn't it enough to you that you're separated a little bit within the collective? Do you also want to be separated like Korach, separated completely, looking from the inside out, and then everything becomes distorted the way it is? So we see two Perushim here, Ba'ikach, he seduced others with his words, he was a sweet talker. Or, Vayikach Korach, he took himself. He separated himself, and the whole problem begins when you're standing outside. Your whole outlook on Torah is different when you're standing outside than when you are inside. That's it for today. You've been listening to KMTT. Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. We heard the Shir of Haraf Tavori, the weekly mitzvah for Pashat Chukat. We began the Midrash Yomi of Pashat Korach. This has been Ezra Bek. Wishing you a call to tomorrow we'll be back with the Shia of Harav Tarigan in the Essentials of Avodat Hashem. And until then, Bibokat Atorah Mitzion Kvaitim La Torah. We'll be back tomorrow.